Welcome to A Pint with Shawnee B, coming to you this week from Dublin. Uh, this Pint with Shawnee B is different to the normal variety. We have in my country, Ireland, a huge vote pending in two weeks' time, a referendum for a clause in our constitution, the Eighth Amendment, on whether or not to take it out of our constitution or leave it in. The clause pertains to the rights to life of the unborn, so the Discussion and debate all around Ireland at the moment concerns the substantive issue of abortion. I have noticed since I've been home and over the last few months that a lot of particularly males who I know are uh, apathetic or basically uninterested in the outcome. And I'm hoping this broadcast will throw some light and give some people some guidance on which way they ought to vote or even reinforce those that have already made their decision. It is important in any democracy that people vote. And uh, I have a guest today who is on the pro-choice side of the line, very much so. She is a activist for a yes vote. A yes vote means removing the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. And her name is The Don. So welcome, The Don. Thank you. The Don is uh, also known as Repeal O'Neill. You've been doing Trojan work over the past few weeks with a meme every day on Facebook and various uh, websites around Ireland and around the world. So let's just uh, take this and unpeel the onion um, because there's so many facets to this issue. But let's just take the, the top line situation as it applies in Ireland today. Abortion is illegal in Ireland. Mm. The Eighth Amendment is a clause in our constitution that gives the fetus in the in the woman who's pregnant mm. the same rights as a living human being in our country. Yeah. Therefore, if that woman has an abortion, she is technically guilty <laughs> of a crime and well, can go to jail. Four, she can get 14 years in prison. And can be put away for 14 years. Okay, so that's basically the law as it stands. Now, the, the other issue about, before we get into the detail of because this goes really deep, yeah. the more layers you peel off it. But if you look at the law and then you look at the idea of is there abortion? Are women in Ireland having abortions? Absolutely. And they have been for a very, very long time. Women have been traveling. We have the right to travel now since the 90s. So women have been traveling before we had the right to travel. They were anyway. So we have abortion. So explain what the right to travel is. The right to travel means that it's illegal to have an abortion here, but it is legal to travel to the UK or Amsterdam. They're the place that people usually go to get an abortion there, which is hugely costly and it's hugely traumatic. We have young and middle-aged women traveling and coming back the same day or the following day, bleeding heavily on a plane on their own in secrecy, getting themselves into debt over it and feeling like a criminal. We also have a situation, particularly now, because everyone's on the internet now, everyone has the internet in their pocket. A lot of people are procuring abortions at home with abortion pills. So these are pills that they procure over the internet from places like India and stuff, and they come in and they take them in the... the, From lots of different places. Okay, so we have a country that's very Catholic and very holy and all this kind of stuff, and we've got plenty of other, you know, pieces of hypocrisy in our history that a lot pertaining to women and women's health. We have a country right now in which a lot of women are having abortions. Mm. They're not allowed to have them in our country. They have to go overseas in order to have one. Or, or they have, an illegal or they have illegal backstreet abortion by taking some pills that they don't know. Yeah. Work. Okay. Now talking about what the referendum 
is proposing in that context. So the referendum is to repeal the Eighth Amendment, first and foremost. Abortion was illegal before the Eighth Amendment came in. If and when it's repealed, it will still be illegal. But there is the intention to bring in legislation for abortion. And the government has been quite clear that they intend for abortion to be available up to 12 weeks. After that, should the mother's life be in danger or should it be fatal fetal abnormality? I think they're talking about up to 24 weeks because after that, you're looking at a viable fetus. So the, the, the idea that abortion on demand, we have a lot of posters saying there'll be abortion on demand up to six months. There absolutely will not. Any abortion that's happening at six months is for very tragic circumstances where the baby is sure to die, the baby may not have a skull, really, really tragic circumstances. Abortion is up to 12 weeks is what they're looking at. Let me just say, throw something at you. My personal situation and my, I mean, I'm, I've, not that I know of, I have no children. Anyone listening who thinks that I might have can feel free to contact me, but I don't. Dear Shoney B. Yeah, I don't think I have ever had children. I don't particularly like children. I don't particularly want children. But I guess where I would sit would be slightly on balance, be anti-abortion. But I would also feel that women should be allowed the right to choose for themselves using their own conscience and their own mind and their own intelligence to decide whether or not they want to have a child or not. Yeah. What, what, what's so difficult about that? Well, I would agree with you. I think a lot of people would personally choose to continue a pregnancy, even if it was an unplanned pregnancy, even if it was not what they had wanted. A lot of people would choose to continue that pregnancy, but they wouldn't make that choice for somebody else and they wouldn't presume to know somebody else's circumstances. At the mm. end of the day, the person carrying that, child and the person having to become a mother it's up to them yeah. might not be your choice but that's the whole point of being pro-choice pro-choice is not pro-abortion it's pro-mind your own business yeah that's good i like that so you know from from my experience and again excuse my 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 male perspective on this and it's it is uninformed but that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast because i want to learn from you a woman realizes she's pregnant within a month of Conception. If, well, I think if it's an unplanned pregnancy, generally, I would hazard a guess most people figure out at about five weeks. Right. If you were watching out for it, you'd probably figure out three and a half to four weeks. If you're a bit slow on the uptake or if you've irregular cycles, for whatever, you might find out at six and a half weeks. But I would say most people cop it at five, at five weeks, you know. Okay. We then have conception happening in the womb. So the, the, your body tells you as a woman that you are pregnant. Uh, there is a uh, fetus, a very early stage fetus in there. That they, There's all this stuff going around that there's a heartbeat and all that stuff. That's not technically true, right? No, it's not technically true. The heartbeat starts at a later stage than that. It's an early stage and there are a lot of posters saying that at nine weeks a baby has a heartbeat. They don't. They have a pulse. Right. There's a pulsation. That's They don't have a fully formed heart. They can't have a heartbeat. Right. There's a pulsation from the mother to the child. Okay. So the, the new law, and, the, and we, we must add that the, this is not... A new law yet. This is what the new law is likely to be that after 12 weeks or up, yes. to, 12 weeks, up to 12 weeks, a woman can decide whether she wants to have yeah. a baby or not. And there would also be a cooling off period. So ideally, the woman who is in a crisis pregnancy would go to her GP and she may say, I'm not in a position to, I, I want to terminate. That's my choice. And I've thought about it. And the GP would, what they're proposing is the GP would say, well, you need to come back to me in a couple of days. There would be a cooling off period, but it's up to 12 weeks. Okay. So I would pose this. I know a lot of women, I know, I know women who've had abortions and I know women who have ch- chosen to keep a child, even though they maybe were in, in financial difficulty or whatever. But every woman would know. Like, so if you find out within five or six and there's six weeks goes by, which is a month and a half, I would say that every woman within that time, and for, we, we come back to other issues like 
you know, the outliers, like women who are ill or women who've been raped or all that stuff. But as a basic idea, there's this concept that within 12 weeks, every woman should know whether or not she wants to have a child. Now, again, you can go, oh, I'm in love with this guy and I got pregnant by him. And then four months later, the whole relationship is blown up and she's going, oh, I don't want the baby. Tough luck. Ah, yeah, but that's not... We have the kind of trope that women are that fickle and women are Then that's not the case. Yeah, everyone... I mean, I I can't speak for everyone as to when they'll know. And some people genuinely do have different cycles or down to birth control, they don't know. So some people can be a bit late finding out they're pregnant. But standard five or six weeks, you know you're pregnant... By eight or nine weeks, you've had time to think about it. You know what you're going to do. You're not going yeah. to suddenly change your mind at about six months pregnant and think, actually, do you know what? Zero bounce. Don't think I will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's unwrap this a bit further. The the So uh, the first thing I would say is I think any woman who knows she's pregnant and for whatever reason, as you said, mind your own business, and I think it should be mind your own, mm. but she's decided. And again, this is not, as you said, hysteria. This is usually a very deep considered decision that women will take you then have six weeks roughly to make your mind up on whether you're going to keep the baby or not yeah that seems to me pretty reasonable yeah like if you felt if you knew by six weeks and you were reeling from it for a week or two and you thought about two or three weeks on you know what you're going to do 12 weeks i think is a very fair and decent time frame so we're not stretching it out to late abortions but it's enough time that Unless there are extreme circumstances, it's a, it's quite a reasonable suggestion, mm. I think. And this is where I, it's starting to bug me a little bit because even the the people who are voting no, and you know, a lot of the conversation, once you get, I mean, to me, at a very simple level, a woman gets pregnant, and she has twelve weeks to decide whether to keep the child in the privacy of her own mind or that of her and her husband or her and her partner, and we move on. That at a sort of very simple level, that seems to me to be fair logical and and na- na- all of mm. the stuff that surrounds it then starts getting into the weeds right so we then we well, see, well the only the only problem with that is if you're not pro-choice i think most people would say barring difficult circumstances in in your normal circumstances 12 weeks fair enough yeah where people have a problem with that is where they have a problem with abortion yeah and they're not pro-choice and they don't feel that a woman should have that choice yeah. to me there are two very different camps in the pro-life side there are, the, I think, an awful lot of people who are on the fence or leaning towards no would say, I don't like abortion. Mm. Nobody likes abortion. Yeah. But they would say, I just don't think it's right. But if you ask them, what if a 14-year-old child was raped and was pregnant as a result of that rape? They'll say, ah, no, oh, that's sick. No 14-year-old, that's disgraceful. No, no, there should be for that. Now, yeah. one, we can't, the Attorney General has made it quite clear, we cannot legislate for rape. So it's either yeah. repeal or don't. Well, nobody gets done for rape here so, anyway. That's no, another that's issue. the other issue. Come back to that. But it, so it cannot be legislated. How do you prove it? How do you, it's, it's, not, it's not workable. And so, by the time a rape trial has gone yeah. to trial, the baby's born and yeah, listen, going to reg- school. Legislating for, for cases of rape is just, it's not workable. It's not a possibility. Yeah. And I understand somebody saying, I don't like the idea of abortion. My, con- my conscience won't allow it. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of a 14-year-old child having yeah. to become a mother after conceiving from rape. And I get that. That's humanity. But I would say to that person, right, well, why is abortion wrong? And presumably they'd say, well, because it's killing a baby. It's murder. Okay, but if a 14-year-old child was raped, tragic as it is and awful as it is that she's pregnant, is killing her child not murder? It's not the baby's fault. Yeah, it's not the baby's fault. So is that child, if, 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 if a fetus has a right to life and it's murder to kill a fetus, then 
it doesn't really matter the circumstances. So if you're okay with abortion in cases of rape, then your issue is not with abortion. Your issue is with how the woman got pregnant. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of back to morality and morality. Yeah. yeah, so that's the one camp. Then we have the other camp that would say, oh, I, oh no, raped or not. Oh, I think we should put the arm around and give her all the support we like, but there's no killing babies at all. No abortion, no matter what. Well, I mean, I, I, have, I have more respect for that position. In some, in some ways I do. And, and I kind of, if I look at people in my life that are no voters, I look at the ones that think, no, sorry, it's wrong, it's murder, even in cases of incest and children and rape. Mm. I think, I can't speak to you. You're I, you're, mm. you're not a human I can mm. be around. I just, I can't compute. I, I No. And then I look at no voters that would say, oh, look, I just don't think it's right and I can't vote for it. I mean, if it was if she was raped or whatever, God, jeez, I wouldn't judge the girl, of course. Yeah. But I just can't vote for it. In terms of principle, the, the first one that's saying, no, I genuinely believe it's murder, therefore I, have, I feel awful for anybody, but I can't condone it. I'd have more respect for them, even though I couldn't possibly sit in the room with them yeah. and be pleasant to them. Whereas the second person, I could probably be pleasant to them. And I would think they're very much misguided and hypocritical. Well, we, we, we're a couple of generations apart. And, you know, I mean, my looking back, I mean, I ran away from Ireland in 96, but I mean, I ran away from a country that's extremely churched and has always been extremely churched. We're 90 whatever percent officially Catholic. I think that's way down to about 60 percent now in terms of practicing. But, you know, when I grew up, I went on holidays in 88, right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic and fear and all that. And we, we, you, you still couldn't buy condoms. You know, so contraception was outlawed until, until the early 90s. Divorce is only 20, 20 years, 21 years uh, in, in place. The life of Brian used to be banned all the way up until the 90s. Uh, we have... Um, he was a very a, naughty boy. He was very, he's not the Messiah either. We have all of this guilt thrown into us from when we were kids, certainly from my generation. By the way, contrasting that with priest paedophilia, where tens of thousands of children... Were, were, were sexually interfered with by the clergy. Now we just have this kind of country that's reeling from the guilt and the sort of hypocrisy of the church, part of which comes into play in this debate. Oh, very much so. I mean, like we have a history, aside from obviously we have a history of child sex abuse and yeah. clerical abuse. We also have a history of dropping our pregnant daughters off at the gates of laundries and yeah. convents and yeah. we don't do that anymore and we think that's desperate and we can't believe our parents did, generation did that but we're dropping our daughters off at the gates of departure yeah so well so i i wanted to so the so the don is referring for those overseas to you know a few terrible controversies that were going on for much of the last century where one of the things with the church element is this shame that you bring on the family you know, all the way down to if you've got a, a three-bedroom house, one room is always kept immaculate in case the priest comes and the other, everyone else is living in the other rooms. I mean, this terrible, terrible vanity and, and, and shame about being seen to be not holy and Catholic mm. and, and, and Well, good. that's partially a Catholic thing. It's partially being a colony or former colony. Why do you say that? Well, if you look at the idea of people living in extreme poverty in a two-up-two-bed two up two down house and still keeping something pristine in case the priest calls having the parlor keeping the doorstep scrubbed Mm. that was what that used to go back to was if your doorstep wasn't absolutely immaculate particularly in poor areas you were a slattern and a slattern meant you weren't keeping your house but what it actually means is a slot and that comes back to a time in the 1800s where women could be picked up if they were out unaccompanied they could be picked up for prostitution 
and poor women worked in factories so they had to walk by themselves to and from work long hours so there is this inbuilt fear that's not it's not hysterical it's not catholic in its nature there is this genuine fear that if you can't show respectability and often it's through cleanliness a perfect house Mm. if you can't show respectability there was actually a danger Mm. and that 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 carries on to the the days of the night and laundry it's not quite the same if you're from a more privileged background there's still that fear there this fear of judgment but your family could buy you out whereas if you got in trouble in any way, shape, or form, if you were poor, you couldn't be bought out. So the Magdalen Audrey's were these were these institutions run by nuns that used to clean clothes, I guess, but they would also take pregnant women who would be disowned by their family and sent away for the duration of their pregnancy, sometimes longer. Well, that's the thing. Most people think that the Magdalen Audrey's were where pregnant girls went. Actually, a massive number of people that went into the Magdalen Audrey's were not pregnant when they went in. Most of them were pregnant at some point when they were in there. And right. you have to ask how that happened. Right. But a lot Do we of them, blame the priests again there? Yeah, well, it wasn't the nuns. <laughs> but a lot of them weren't pregnant. They were seen to be at risk in some way. Maybe mm. they were a bit too friendly with the boys. Maybe they were just plain in the way. Maybe the parents had died and the brother wanted them off the farm. Yeah. And we can either sign them in to the nuthouse or we can sign them into the laundries. But an awful lot of women went into the Magdalene laundries that were actually never pregnant. And people didn't have their babies in the Magdalene laundries. They were sent to mother and baby homes. And in the mother and baby homes, there were also women from upper class families or middle class families, and they'd be sent away to see their auntie in England for a few weeks. They went to a private nursing home, had their baby, then off you go, forget about it now, you go off and you'll get married and you'll have a nice life because their parents could pay. For if you couldn't pay, you were sent back to the laundry to earn your keep. Mm-hmm. And you probably never got out of there. Maybe you did, maybe somebody came to marry you, maybe you didn't, mm-hmm. but you were sent back to the laundry. There's this Catholic shame and guilt and respectability, but there's also respectability was bred out of fear because it was a genuine fear, particularly mm. for women, if you were poor. Yeah, I mean, the church hides its own hypocrisy behind its teachings of purity and virtue and all this kind of stuff. Mm. So we have an Ireland that really, certainly my generation growing up from the 70s and 80s and, and before, I, if I had one word for society, it would be hypocritical. You know, people, people are, were more concerned about how they appeared to their neighbours or to whatever than they did. And quite often, huge atrocities in terms of child abuse and, and, and beatings and all that were all covered up within the family, including things like abortion. Bringing it back onto topic, you had a nice line when I met you. Uh, we were talking recently about the fact that you don't see as many women pushing prams in the privileged areas of Dublin. Yeah, people talk about all oh, these young girls are going to get themselves pregnant for the free houses and they're all going to run up. Okay, we have abortion because you don't see that many 18-year-olds pushing a pram around Cabin Dealey, which is where Sean's from. <laughs> but you see plenty of 18-year-olds pushing a pram around Ferez, which is where I'm from, in Tala. That means either all the Tala Well, my father would probably say because those women over in Tala are much more slatternly, to quote your phrase, than the nice girls that are brought up in Fox Rock and in Cabin Dealey and who are going to nice schools and who go to mass with their fathers every day and who don't get into trouble and are very virtuous and they don't have sex. Your father's um, never been to a teenage disco in the early noughties then. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you tell me why he's wrong. From my own experience, girls from your background, when I was growing up, were much more promiscuous than girls in my background. That's just incidental. But yeah. either way, humans are humans. There's yeah. no way that they're all getting the ride and talent and they're just not doing it in the nice areas. Right. So the, so the underlying thing that you're saying is we don't have numbers to support this. 
but that a family whose daughter gets into trouble, we, don't, we, we can use all these, into trouble means pregnant, but we can use all these mammy and daddy words. A girl who's from a fairly wealthy background who gets into trouble, that girl, if she chooses to not have the child, the family has money, they can send her over to Liverpool. There's those women are kind of looked after. And again, mm. it's all with a nod and a wink and nothing ever happened. And and they they won't their... be sent to Magdalene Lawyers. They'll come yeah. home and the dad will say tut tut or mum will say tut tut. But they'll, they'll say we love you and please don't do it again and we move on. So, mm. And then they'll vote no and then 10 years later. They'll probably vote no. So we have, so I, again, just unpeeling this onion, we have a law that's very difficult to enforce. We, we talked about the rape thing. We talked about the fact that, you know, women are having backstreet abortions with pills. They won't get caught. If they do get caught, by the way, it's a well, 14, 14, years, yeah, 14 in years in prison. Okay. Generally speaking, you don't read about women getting done for well, having an abortion. Well, that's because when a girl has a backstreet abortion or she gets the pills online, she takes them at home and she might sit there bleeding away in the bathroom and she may ring the helpline that's somewhere in Amsterdam. If she runs into trouble, she's afraid to go to A&E. Because yeah. she knows she could get. But what I'm trying days. to say is, if she did go to A&E in Ireland today, she's not going to be confronted by a bunch of cops and taken away in handcuffs. You don't know. It I know, but it, that hasn't happened. Well, ideally, if she does find herself needing to go to A&E, she would have copped on enough to ring somebody who will tell her, for fuck's sake, don't tell them what happened. You just say that you may have been pregnant. Oh, God, I didn't yeah, know. Miscarriage. Yeah, you'd be told what yeah, to but say. The reason I'm going here is, it's not as if the cops are running around. Thankfully, Thankfully, yeah. that running around At monitoring present, no, people and really arresting people and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so we have. I'm, what I'm just trying to say is, on so many levels, the whole thing doesn't really work. Yeah. So it doesn't work from a legal point of view. We also have this thing where we're we're offering, or the the, the idea that women will have three months to decide whether or not they want to keep a child. To me, is plenty of time. Mm. And I, I mean, do we have numbers on how many abortions are within the first couple of months? I'd say most. Oh, it's, oh it's, it's it's very rare that abortions are late term. It's very, very rare. It's a very small percentage and it's always because of fatal fetal abnormality. Okay, but so probably 90 something percent of abortion. More, okay, like 98%. Yeah. Okay, let's just make them, apologies if we've got our numbers wrong because it is there's a lot of numbers being thrown around here. But something in the 90% happens when the fetus is, doesn't have a brain, doesn't have a heart. Yeah, so if you look at, when you tend to get your anomaly scan, it's 20 weeks pregnant that you get the big scan, mm. as was known, and sometimes you might be able to find out sex or not. But that's where they're scanning to check that all is well. That's the, the oak where you get the black and white photograph and your friend shows you in the pub and you go, I can't see anything there. No, look, there's no, a little heart. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the first one. Okay. Look, you're definitely pregnant. The 20 week one is where you're there for a while and they're having a look. and. Most people go into that thinking, it's the big scan. Will we find out if it's a boy or a girl? Will we know yeah. we won't? He doesn't want to. I will. What they're really doing is they're checking that the brain is formed, the organs are formed, all yeah. as well. And sometimes we have really tragic circumstances. There are women who learn their baby absolutely will not survive outside the womb, possibly won't make the 40 weeks. And if they do, they could be crushed within the womb. What we have then is women who may have planned that pregnancy, they may have been two years trying with their husband. They may have three mm. kids at home and they're there at the school gates every day and they're getting bigger and bigger and people are saying, have you got your pram bought? Do you know what you're having? Is it a boy or a girl? And they found out 
my baby is dying. And they're internally thinking, please don't ask me, my baby is dying. And so a woman whose baby is not going to be able to be born has to still go through with, mm. and what, until there. it dies in the yeah, womb, hopefully? And, they might, or? and depending on what the issue is, they might feel their baby having seizures within them. They might, fe- they might feel their baby suffering and they'll sit there thinking, number one, my small kids, I don't know how to tell them you're not getting a baby brother or sister. We told you you were, you're not. I don't know how to say, please don't ask me because my baby is dying. When people ask, how you, how's the pregnancy going? Have you got your pram bought? And they're also thinking, is my baby suffering? Can I feel, is that is that a seizure I'm feeling? Yeah. Is my baby being crushed within me? Um, it may You may not make it all the way through the pregnancy. The baby may not make it, but oftentimes they will make it to birth, but they will die immediately after birth and they may suffer greatly. Mm. Um, you'll sit there wondering how much they're suffering yeah. and there, there's all the trauma around that and some people choose to carry the baby's term for that minute or two they may have with, and that's their choice and they should be supported in that of course mm. but for some people that's not an option it's barbaric that we have women or couples travelling to England to abortion clinics where they're treated with great humanity and oftentimes the baby that for them is their baby that they was a much wanted baby they've induced a labor and the baby's born maybe stillborn they're laid out in a moses basket and that but at the end of the day they have to get on a plane and come home and a courier brings the ashes a few weeks later and they think they're dropping something off from amazon and they have to go home without their baby they don't get a funeral they get nothing mm. and they feel like criminals for that and that's that's just that's not a country i want to come from yeah so just okay so basically again i want to keep re- reinforcing where we're going to get my head straight we have a clause in our constitution that clearly doesn't work. No. We have a refusal to allow women to make their own minds up because we think that they're not capable of doing that, which is... Well, oh, there's a big smack of you made your bed, so lie in it. We, we also have the church and the sort of the, the matronly mean core of a lot of Irish society when it comes to issues of virtue and it's sex and stuff like that. We're just appalling sex. at it. We then have a new law coming in, which will give women up to 12 weeks to decide. We're saying that roughly 90 some percent of all terminations happen in that time. Mm. We then have a lot of ancillary things underneath here on both sides, but mainly on the yes side. What happens if the mother has a deformed fetus or a a fetus, a fatal fetus abnormality? Then there's the rape discussion that we had, there's incest, there's a whole pile yeah. of other things and surrounding then we have this. Mother's health. Now we do have what's thrown out there is two thousand thirteen we have protection of life act. That basically meaning that a, that if a mother's health health is at risk. And that was after Savita. So explain what Savita so is. Savita Halpenaber was pregnant at the same time I was pregnant with Noah. And she was miscarrying at I think seventeen weeks in Galway. And she was a doctor herself. She, she was Indian. She, yes, she was Indian and she went in with her husband and she was miscarrying but there was still a heartbeat detectable and she asked for for an abortion because she was miscarrying obviously and that would be the best thing to do at that point. She was told, no, no, this is a Catholic country. They left her so long that she developed sepsis and she died. I remember, yeah. Yeah, she was, um, like I was pregnant at the time and I remember just being horrified and people around me saying, oh, well, yeah, but like, there's still a heartbeat. And I was looking at, I had an 18-month-old child looking at me and I was pregnant and I thought, what if I was miscarrying? Would it be okay to leave me there for a, a fetus that was not going to survive? She was miscarrying, but sometimes it doesn't happen within a few hours. You don't pass, but they wouldn't give her the appropriate treatment. It was wait and see, and that's very common. People don't necessarily announce on Facebook, I've had a miscarriage. But of all the women you know that have children, 
most of them will have had miscarriages. Mm. Many of them will, or will have had multiple. Our family, we had a few miscarriages. So it's very, like, miscarriages are incredibly common, and they don't always happen within a few hours. There's an awful lot of, "Mm, I'm very sorry. Off you pop home, wait and see. But one of the other things, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but one of the things I was just thinking the other night was, I know loads of Catholic, Christian, Irish people who get IVF. Oh, yeah. Isn't IVF about putting a viable fe- a number of viable fetuses into a woman? Yes. It's an interesting one because the Catholic Church is not does not condone IVF. Okay, um, but I know so, that's... A, well, if you look at IVF, crazy. and I don't know a huge amount about it, but we're looking at embryos, so the sperm and the egg have... Have fused. Have fused, and we yeah. have an embryo. That's why we have an awful lot of triplets. Yeah. Twins and triplets in the past 10, 15 years, because often they, they've put in, I think it's four, sometimes three, they've put in three or four, knowing that they won't all take, mm. and then sometimes you end up with triplets and twins. But there is the question of what happens to the embryos that aren't used, and I don't, I, I don't know is the honest answer. If we're putting in three and four, it's because we're presuming a lot of them won't take. So are we just creating embryos that have no hope? But it's and interesting just, the kind of tone surrounding me, IVF is kind of oh god love yeah, me for IVF oh, yeah we just yeah. killed eight babies to get little but Charlie same, here well yeah but it's the same I mean, they're fertilised so it's, yeah. it's the same thing really but to me the big difference is while technically the stance is as far unless they've changed it, the stance is that we don't condone IVF but as a society if we had some sort of referendum on IVF you know everybody would say oh they had to try and they have to yeah. do rounds of IVF brilliant good for them no matter how Catholic you are no matter isn't that great for them we, we'd all put the arm around them and say that's wonderful yeah. the only difference to me is that one of them are a married couple who are doing what we what society has prescribed is what we're supposed to do and the other is some dirty girl who got herself pregnant yeah. and I love the phrase got Linda herself. spent all of her time working up as a bank clerk all the way to marketing director she's now 42 and she forgot to have a baby so we'll kill 25 embryos just to make sure she gets little Charlie out I mean that's kind of the same thing right yeah but everyone's kind of cool with IVF. Yeah. yeah. Or Duran's 20 and she went and got so herself what, pregnant. Yeah, you but see that the, the actual... Mary's 45 and she can't have a baby. So how dare you have to have yours because I'm not allowed to have one. So yeah. if I can't have one, you have to have yours. So you can see that the... If you really sort of psychoanalyze this, uh, you can see that actually a huge amount of it is the dirty sex bit. Yeah, but that's what it comes down to because very we don't few like people, people having dirty sex with each other. Yeah, and getting like, well, no, we don't mind people having sex with each other. We just don't like women having sex with each other. But it's not a sin unless you enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, another thing relative to that, which again I did comedically, was I wrote a piece about the fact that if you could interview a fetus in the room like if you were able to have a chat and say look you know here's what it's like to be human and here's the world you live in and here's donald trump and korea nuclear war and climate change and famine and the likelihood is you're going to be born in a swamp in india not in in, in dorky i personally if i was a fetus i wouldn't want to be a human being so this whole holier than that thing of oh every I would say that many fetuses would go actually fine abort me I don't read I mean this is a very yeah. left of, of centre a left wing sort of view but it's like yeah. we're, we're bringing children into the world say that they're be, they're not being looked after they're, they're not being cared for they're being abused they don't have food they don't have you know well I'm with you on that but red herring <laughs> comment probably but. well no I'm with you on that but then I have a very unusual view on that because I can assure you if you played a snapshot of my life and went back to Christmas 1988 Little Duran, you're about to be conceived. Do you fancy it? I'd say fuck no. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely not. And I've, I mean, I've had a, I've had what I would consider a magnificent life, relatively speaking. Like I've had, I've been very lucky, I've been privileged. But you know, it's, it's like to me, a life that I look back on, and I would be fifty-fifty on whether I'd be arsed, to be honest. And that's my, like, mine's really good, right? Mine's a really yeah. good life. You know, you, you get born, you fucking everyone get something dies you know you're yeah. constantly i'm looking at this downhill middle of my life not many years left smoke drink you know i mean this is nothing to do with the issue at hand but i wanted to just raise it mm. because there's this assumption oh yeah that the that the unborn we can speak for the unborn well it pisses me off greatly i mean i'm quite privileged in that i wasn't born in the swamp in india well everyone in ireland is privileged. yeah like i'm i, I could have gotten a lot worse but the possibly the most sanctimonious pro-life person I have ever met has often gone on about the sanctity of life. And I don't yeah. understand the sanctity of life because I spent my entire childhood looking at him thinking the worst thing you've ever done to me is make me come into being. Yeah. And I wish I was never born. And like as, as recent as six months ago, he sat there telling me how great my childhood was. And I'm I lucky. And I'm only just upset because I've turned away from church. And I think, no. It was miserable. I spent my entire childhood thinking, being incredibly pious, thinking if I was good enough, God would forgive me and take me away and I wouldn't have to be alive anymore. And he is just the entire trumpet section of the pro-life orchestra. Who? And your so, father? My, yeah. Right. The yeah, I mean, I would, I, would, I would give my childhood a, a, a four or five at a pass. Not happy. You know, not extremely happy. Show off. And, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, these are issues that just are important because we you know i want to talk about a little bit about one of the most hypocritical lines i heard put together to form i don't know a band of merry men and women is this idea of love both and love both i think is a no can you explain what love yeah. both is so love both for anybody who doesn't recognize things the love boaters are the pretty much the no side we've got save the eighth and love both. yeah but explain what the love both means love both i presume means the mother and the child yeah. but as far as we can see they don't love either yeah um it's like love both until they both die or something love both we don't give a shit what happens to her through pregnancy really as long as she brings about the baby and that baby is going to be exactly the scourge of society in 18 years that's a problem yeah. and they don't they don't give a shit about what happens that woman or that child after the child is born so i want that's where i wanted to go with this because i mean i've been away from ireland for two decades i often have talked about on some of the podcasts how when i've come back the five or six things that were major issues in society are still the biggest problems we have to this day i talk about health homelessness inequality education well, we have thousands of homeless children yeah so i wanted to go there i said if i look at the no vote people who, who want to keep the eighth amendment as far as i can see their argument goes Oh, it's just killing babies. And then when you go deep, it's like, well, you know, we should instead be fighting for better treatment of children once they've had, once they've been born and look after them more and make sure the mother gets counselling and doesn't, you know, it's all just real drippy shite. Yeah. But then I go, all right, where are these people that are, there's 4,000 children at the yeah. moment in Ireland who haven't got a home. Where are they fixing that? Where is the sort of the anti-repeal group mm. saying, you know what, we've just set up a whole clinic that looks after and really cares for single mothers who are who are really have nowhere to go, who have no money, who have whatever. And we're putting our arm around them and we're caring for them all the way through pregnancy and giving them a home and looking after them. 
We have none of that here. Yeah, well, I have seven and a half years experience of being a parent. And in that seven and a half years, I've been looking really hard for anyone who gives a shit. And yeah. I can guarantee you, I've come across plenty of no voters. I've come across plenty of people who've called me a baby murderer. I've never had an abortion, so I don't know whose baby I've murdered, but I'm a baby murderer. I'm this and that. Nobody's been banging down my door to say they want to help with housing or childcare. Now, plenty of people have made comments to me about, that's okay because you're not like the other single mothers, which I presume means I sound different to them, so therefore I'm not like them. But they give out about our kind take social welfare, but we don't have childcare. So we can't get all the grants for the so-called free education unless you're full-time in college, but you can't leave the kids to play with the buses for the day. Yeah. And you're expected to get a job once the child hits seven if you're on a one-parent family. Again, yeah. can't leave, say to my seven-year-old, now pet, go and play with the buses. Mommy has to go and work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have this thing yeah, that, yeah, you know, it's we have to put the arm around it. We have to help all the pregnant women and just give them. But exactly those people are the lead. They, they lead the brigade of all those single mothers getting themselves pregnant for the free houses and all the free money. And I mean, like, my handbags and my cars are great. But like they don't fulfill me. <laughs> I am just out there spending. No, but up I mean, that I, I've heard that argument from you know members of my family. You know, yeah. my family would be you know upper middle class, and they've said things like that to me, which is astonishing. But they don't mean they're not saying it like in a. But I don't think everybody says it is bad. No, I think it's incredibly. They ignorant. think that's the way. They think that's the way society works. And yes, you know, in every society there will be rich and poor, and in every society there will be a certain inequality. And I'm not talking about we go yeah. back to Marxism. But we have this track record of this appalling treatment of women. The rape prosecution numbers are something like one in ten rapes get reported, and one in ten of one in a hundred of those gets a prosecution or something. Works out about one in nine hundred and thirty. I could be wrong on that. One in nine hundred and thirty something rapes get prosecuted. Yeah, you know, and then you have people like George Hook and people like that famous um, talk show host. Who, you know, will come out and say, oh, well, what was she wearing? And, you know, the the father needs to teach his daughter not to go out like that. As if a woman on the street, if she's wearing a bikini, deserves everything that gets she gets. Yeah. And we have this kind of stuff. And it's in the well, law. Well, I was on that. It's in, the, it's, in um, our, it's in our courts where men, it's a male... Oh, yeah. Women get their panties handed around to see if there's stains well, I've, on I've them. I've been that girl sitting in my sitting room with two guards standing over me and I was drugged and I wake up groggy and they're standing over me, which is really helpful. Oh. And the first question is, what were you wearing? Yeah. And asked me to produce the dress I was wearing, which was knee length and hideous. And <laughs> what were you drinking? Are you sure you didn't have a row with a boyfriend? Are you sure there's not a boyfriend that you had a row with? This is and when you're not you telling us that, yeah. And, I, and badly beaten. Yeah, I was spiked and I was dragged upstairs and up the up the Liffey and I forgot some of it and then I had flashbacks and then I had bruises around my body that kind of showed me that the nightmares and flashbacks matched handprints. Yeah. But the, the girls came in and then my mother was around and now, ma'am, if you can just step outside the room. Now, she's not here. You can tell us the truth. And I had the smirks and the sneers asking me, now, are you sure? How much did you drink? And are you sure you you tell us the whole truth and what we're wearing? And mm, are you sure it's not a boyfriend that you had a row with? And my face was black and blue. I mean, I know how badly the recent Ulster rugby rape trial um, affected you and why you didn't. You, I mean, you, you want to talk about why you didn't pursue the person who attacked you? Yeah. I mean, well, at the time I was told 
well, we can get the CCTV camera. After being asked those questions, we can get the CCTV footage. And I said, no, you're grand. And I was met with an immediate smirk and like, we've got you. And say, well, well, if you don't want the footage, then obviously, you know, you're lying. And my answer was, no, I don't want the footage because you can't make it unhappen. And the minute I get the footage, you're doing me a favour. And right now, I never I never have to answer another question to pricks like you again. Now get the fuck out of my house. I owe you nothing. I'm not asking for anything. Yeah. Get the fuck out. I never have to answer that question again. So good luck. Get mm. out. Because they failed to protect me on many occasions, particularly against men. And, and I had just been through years of huge trauma of getting incredibly unwell, going down to five and a half stone because I was terrified and they don't protect you. Yeah. W- women are not believed. So I had no intention of going after Why do you think women else. are not believed? Women are not, we've got people and people's wives. That's, that, that's the old <laughs> saying, that women are not considered fully people. So you're doing gender studies in UCD at the moment. We're coming off a year where yes, we had the Northern Rugby trial, those guys got off, but there was a huge backlash to that. Prior to that, there's the Me Too movement where all over the world, there's an empowerment going on yeah. with women. There's rumblings that we need to change our juris, jurisprudence when it comes to rape and rape victims. There's this repeal thing, which is basically, mm. as far as I can see, we will come back to it to close the show, but is basically, to me, just saying, allow women to make their own decision on their own body when they get pregnant. Yeah. Right? At a very simple level, it's just, yes, I will vote for that. Where do you see, and I know you've studied all the way back to Countess Markovic and all about when women got the right to vote in the suffragettes, where do you see the struggle? I, I see it in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of it's considered hysterical and and feminazi. And, but even down to women are not believed. Anything to do with sexuality is a problem anger is a problem if, if a woman is assertive in the boardroom she's a bitch if a man's assertive he's a leader no he's a if, cock well <laughs> you say that because you're an alpha female <laughs> um yeah and even with mental health we have this thing that mental health is a huge issue with men because they don't talk okay i see that and i'm i'm all for men's sheds and advocacy so that men feel they can talk but we also have this situation where women feel that they have to talk and if a man and a woman sit in front of the same psychiatrist with the same issues and they're sometimes angry they're sometimes upset the man will have anxiety and will have depression the woman will have borderline personality disorder and that's an issue anger is seen as something that's just not quite right we've locked women up for that that's it's bred out of us and there's this this idea that we have these really different natures and the girls mature faster than boys no girls have just been corrected for things that boys have been led away with from a much earlier age we've been socialized differently i so i see a huge struggle in that i see it all across and even down to pay people say yeah but women just don't fight for the pay as much you know that's why there's not as much pay because they don't put themselves forward well there's a reason for that experience has taught us that we can't get away with what men get away with I mean, it won't be received well. Mm. So it, there's a huge amount of struggle there. But for me, the biggest one would be bodily autonomy and assault, sexual assault, all of those things that basically that our body is ours and it's not a, that we have boundaries, that we have human rights because we don't. Yeah. And when the Me Too thing came out, I remember there was a huge backlash of, oh, for fuck's sake, everybody's getting in on it now. 
Yeah, because everybody has a story. Yeah. And the amount of times that I think one of the most upset, upsetting things in the past year for me has been sitting around, particularly women's groups, because I have the privilege of being around them, especially with doing the gender studies. Um, I remember even a few weeks ago sitting with 20 women of all ages and some of them have had very difficult life experiences and four of us sat around in a smaller group and talked about assaults and the Me Too and the rugby rate trial and one of them said, Jesus, I, I, like I've been very lucky. I just, like obviously I've been grabbed in that but I've just been very lucky. And I just thought to myself, how appalling is it that an intelligent woman in 2018 is sitting here announcing that she's so lucky and privileged because she's only been minorly assaulted. She's yeah. only been a bit sexually assaulted. She's lucky. And we have this thing that, you know, well, men hurt too. And yeah, they do. And I'm not trying to run that down. But you know, men's biggest fear is that women won't laugh at their jokes. Women's biggest fear is that men will rape and murder them. Yeah. I mean, I've had... I don't tend to play well with staunch feminists maybe apart from yourself but I because I very well with me. because I take I, I take the piss you know when I see on both sides when I see crazy argument for this or crazy argument for that so I'm kind of I stand clear but I mean I do see very clearly I mean I've lost friends over friends who thought it was okay for a girlfriend of mine to be grabbed in the crotch mm. Donald Trump style at a wedding they find it fine you know yeah. and then they said oh she he she probably was leading him on. And this guy's an odious little twerp, the guy who did it. And I think a lot of this is built into Irish society going back because I, there's also an awful lot of women but, well, that's in Ireland who are making. very apologetic for the way men behave. Well, that's the point I was making, that patriarchy, like anything, is, is a pyramid. The few that are doing well at the top are not doing so without the people at the bottom. And women are the gatekeepers. Yeah. I mean, you say things like privilege or patriarchy, people kind of switch up and think, eh. But if we apply that to things like assault... Mm. when women stand by and say oh, but he's just like that or when someone pats me on the head and said step in and be jealous and stab somebody else in the back I don't think so because I have a bigger issue that I am a woman who's been assaulted I am a woman who has a daughter and the way I see it unless the world changes I expect that my child in the next 10 to 15 years will be sexually assaulted that horrifies me and disgusts me to say out loud but unless something massive changes my daughter will statistically be assaulted in the next 10 to 15 years so I have no fucking intention of accepting the pat on the head and saying, oh, thanks very much and, and joining into that. But women do. It's not just men are bad. It's that we have this system that's a problem and women are buying into it and women are the gatekeepers of it. Often because we're in a position of privilege, maybe we keep that up because we get a nice life out of it. Mm. We have a nice husband. It all works quite well for us. Yeah. But it's it, it's a huge problem and I'm not okay with it. Mm. I'm really okay with that. Oh, I, mean, I, know, I know, you know, back in my day it was... You feel lucky if you got a slap on the arse from some man, you know. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. Anyway, we, so let's just get back on point with the with the referendum. Um, and before we finish, so I also wanted to talk to you about the some of the weeds because we're kind of going down through it, and the, 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 it strikes me that the more you go into this issue, actually, the further in you go, the more doubts you get about voting yes. So what I said earlier about the fact that. You know, if we're at very simple level saying we believe women should be allowed to decide for themselves or with their husband and partner, of course, that's part of it, to decide for themselves whether or not they want to have a baby. Right. Talk to me about the, the meme you did, which really hit a nerve where you took on the, the, love, the boat. love boat. And I'll have a link to this. In the, on the... So there's a love boat poster, which is one of the first posters that went up when the referendum date was announced. With a pink background with the love both colours and it had a picture of a scan. 
and it says, I can yawn a kick. I am nine weeks old. No, I am nine weeks old. I can yawn a kick. Please don't repeal me. So I took a picture, which was just because, because it was similar colours to the scan, and I was kind of taking the piss, and it was never supposed to go to anybody else, just my own friends. And, um, and I put it up, and I said, I am 28 years old. I can yawn and stretch, because I got the words wrong. Oh, well. <laughs> Nobody's picked up on that all the time. Um, I, I can also be denied urgent medical care. Should I be pregnant and diagnosed with cancer? I have two children. Tell them my life is equal to a fetus. Love both is a lie. And so I shared that and a few of my friends shared. And at this point, I think it's been shared about 3,000 times. So right. it's... Explain, you know, why that hit the nerve, because I think that captures it really well. It hit the nerve because we have all these posters and most of them are completely factually incorrect. But it's posters of the scans and the babies and out there to upset and to have our children saying, Mommy, what's that? And they're going to kill babies. And we've all of these awful posters. And it was turning people who were on the fence or not that educated or possibly quite apathetic and a little bit lazy about educating themselves because it wasn't their problem. But we had all these people that were just, mm, I don't like that. And it hit a nerve with them so they didn't like it. Therefore, they're going to vote no. And I put a picture of me. I'm a person. And there have been a lot of fantastic, people have done some fantastic stuff like they've got In Her Shoes, which I just think is incredible. If people take the time to read the stories on In Her Shoes, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, a page where people send in their story, their abortion stories, and it's everything from a 15-year-old girl who just couldn't have a child yeah. to women who had fatal fetal abnormalities, and it, and they're always quite anonymous. But I just thought nobody's put their face on it, and, and I don't have cancer, thank, thankfully, but I put my face on something and thought, well, fuck it, I'll take what comes to me. Because people are looking at all these fetuses or pictures of babies saying, don't repeal me. And I thought, well, I'm a person. I'm 28. And I thought other people might look at me and think, well, I could be her. And my kids go to school with her kids. Or a lot of people that might be no voters would say, God, she looks an awful lot like my daughter. And my daughter's 28. And she's getting married next year. And maybe she'll be having kids. And maybe that'll affect her. I just thought, well, I'm a person too. Because we're all getting really upset about these scam pictures. What about my face? What about the idea that I have kids that are be saying, when's mommy coming home? And I thought just the fact that we could be so emotive over scan pictures because we, and these awful banners that are go, that are being brought outside maternity hospitals day by day to terrorise women that are going in, that are having miscarriages, yeah. banners of abortions and aborted babies and yeah, goriums. It's, it's horrific. What's interesting about it to me is, you know, well, first of all, I think what was interesting about your poster for me was if the two children, the live children, the 10 and the seven-year-old, knew the fact that their mother had cancer and happened to have a fetus, she was more than likely going to die after she gave birth to, or she could have or treatment. Or if there was any chance that I was interfering, like if it were me, if there was any chance that I was interfering with my odds because I'm a couple of weeks pregnant. Yeah. Bearing the in mind kids that- would vote... I want Mammy to have the treatment. Yeah. And she can have another baby later when she recovers from cancer. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I think most people, including most no voters, would say, oh, well, that's different. They take a look at my two kids and say, Jesus, she's only a young girl. Look at her kids. Ah, look, do you know what? It's not meant to be. There'll be other babies or they may not, but she's got two kiddies at home. And I think most people are decent people. Most people are inherently good and would say, do whatever you have to do to make sure she has the best chance. And I just thought if you put a face on that and we actually put that to people, an awful lot of decent people would cop on and say, yeah, no, sorry, this is wrong. Well, I mean, as an advertising guy, I have been noticing and looking at the sort of work that's out there, you know, on both sides. And I just find, and I'm being, I'm being sincere here and trying to be objective, I find the no 
campaigns, gory. Uh, it is hard hitting, but it sort of feels gratuitous mm. and it feels dramatized and it feels incorrect. And I think I know some of well, the facts are incorrect. It absolutely is inaccurate. All the facts and it's given are bloody and it's it, it, it's it's and you know they they probably go yeah because it's murder. But like I go like we're talking here at the real core, in my view, about a vote on compassion. We're not talking about a vote on murder. And they, they say, yeah, well, it's not compassionate to kill babies. No, it's compassion to dis- to allow somebody who might, may not be able to have a baby, for whatever reason, mm. to have the care and resources available to her in yeah. her own country and not have her flying away for a few days on her own dime, where she probably has to take a alone out in order to have an abortion and this is the last thing I want to talk to you about which is the, the this very fact and you mentioned this very briefly a, a few months ago who are the women at the core who this legislation affects well it affects all women in terms of their treatment because we're all put at risk in our pregnancies it affects any woman who wants to have a termination because it's incredibly hard to be sent away to a different country it's awful but it doesn't stop them having abortions, particularly now that we can access pills. It really doesn't. So you can't stop abortion. Mm. This bullshit that it's gonna we're gonna save babies. You're not gonna save babies, you're just gonna punish the women. The only people that will stop having abortions are the ones who really, really need an abortion. So the people if you think about how easy it is to procure an abortion now, who can't do that? People who don't have access to their phone privately and are in an abusive relationship. Mm-mm. Okay, you're gonna have it. So migrant women, women who do, can't travel. And we have huge problems in in direct provision. That there are reports that are yet to come out. Huge reports of sexual assault in direct provision. So an awful lot of migrant women who are coming from horrific circumstances and they find themselves pregnant, and they're still living in desperate circumstances like animals, which is appalling. They find themselves pregnant. They can't travel. They'll be deported. So they're the ones that are going to be forced to bring a, bring a baby into the world when they're the ones that are least in a position to do so. Women in, in domestic violence situations. Anybody that can't get together enough money to, tra- to travel on a Ryanair flight yeah. or doesn't have a, enough friends that they can get hold of need abortion Ireland and get the abortion pills in is somebody who is severely lacking in support and may be quite right if they think, I can't do this. They're probably right. The people who most need the abortion, the most vulnerable people, are the only people who won't get one. So the women who have the money get the abortion and then yeah. we can brush that under the carpet for another two decades. Before we go, I'd like you to sum up what your position is if you were if you were talking to somebody uh, on the fence. And before you do, I'd just like to say today is the 10th of May. The referendum is on the 25th. In the interest of balance, if anyone from the no side wants to be on the pint with Shawnee B on the 20th, I'm quite happy for them to sit in with me because... I'm intrigued to see if anyone could convince me other, on, on, on this issue the other way because I, I find that the approach and the tactics that the No campaign are pretty abhorrent. Talk to me as a person sitting on the fence, maybe particularly as a man sitting on the fence in Ireland today. What would you say to me to get me to go towards well, the yes side? Uh, to men, I would say it is absolutely women's business. You're dead right. But the men who are voting no don't think so. So if you have a wife, girlfriend, sister, mother daughter anybody female that you give a shit about them being safe in this country get your arse out and vote it is not for you to sit back on your laurels and then sit and think and hand ring and say isn't it dreadful when she has to bear the consequences so get your conscience together and for anybody who's actually on the fence and doesn't know what way to vote i will say 
you don't have to be entirely pro-choice. I'm very pro-choice and I'm being honest about saying I'm pro-choice. If somebody wants an abortion, they should have an abortion. For this amendment, you need one reason to repeal. There are many reasons. So maybe it's because you're pro-choice and think, look, it's up to the girl herself. Maybe it's because in cases of rape, you think a 13-year-old should not be forced to carry a pregnancy to term. That's enough reason. Maybe if somebody is has a disability or has a severe mental health issue and is not going to be well and stable and maybe suicidal without their medication, that's enough to repeal. Look at their five, ten main reasons why someone has a good reason, fatal fetal abnormality. All you need is one good reason. And if you can agree with one of those reasons, then you have to repeal because you are not protecting and there is no protection for any of those circumstances. You are voting against having any compassion for all of those circumstances. Child rape, fatal fetal abnormality, if you have any compassion for any of those circumstances, then you have to vote repeal. Excellent. Thank you very much, the Don, for joining me on a point with Tony B. I will say that I would add to that that I feel the law itself is unworkable, unenforceable and has no compassion for it. I would urge all my vote, my friends to vote yes. Uh, and I would also urge them to get out and vote because I think we do need people to turn up. Thank you very much, the Don. I hope it all. I hope you get the. I hope you get the outcome uh, you desire. Look after Thank yourself. You. Bye.